0: Happy birthday, okay? Uh, We're not going to do that this morning, but yesterday was Jim's birthday, uh, so thank you for spending your birthday with us uh, to help uh, serve our community. Happy birthday. We're not going to ask how how many it is or anything like that, but thanks for uh, just uh, allowing us to use you on your birthday. Uh, there's a couple of things that we also want to be praying about as far as our family is concerned. Ezra Seaman's not doing well. He was around yesterday, bouncing around, having a great time. Uh, and he's not so, uh, so chipper this morning. So uh, if you could remember Ezra in prayer, that would be great. Um, Martha is away, traveling out to Montana or somewhere out west. Utah. Okay, uh, went for a wedding out there. So pray for uh, Martha as she travels back. And then also Brandon Goodnow. Um, Brandon's normally here, uh, but he called me earlier in the week and said, Hey, Pastor, um, a friend of mine that I was in the service with from day one uh, took his own life uh, a couple of days ago. So Brandon uh, went to Ohio for the funeral. And, um, you know, Brandon, when he went, left for the service... Um, had in his younger days made a profession of faith, Um, but sorry, children, you are dismissed for children's church if there's any still hanging around. Um, uh, Brandon, uh, when he went to the service, had made a profession of faith, but um, that profession wasn't genuine. He realized that uh, getting close to about uh, eight, nine months ago, he made that realization and he trusted the Lord as his savior. And he said to me, when I go out there, I want people to see the difference in my life now. I want to be able to uh, talk with them about Christ and share why I have hope. So, um, if you would pray for Brandon, I don't know when he's coming back. I, I, he may even be on his way back now. Um, but if you just remember Brandon and your prayers, that would be uh, appreciated by the Good No family. And then we have just one other um, announcement, and it's kind of um, housekeeping business uh, that we need to do. You will, if you walk downstairs, you will see lots of drinks down there, water, soda, all that kind of stuff. That is not to be consumed at this point, okay? So if you just would refrain from uh, helping yourselves to that, that would be great. Uh, That was for yesterday's event, uh, and most of that will probably go back Unless you really like Pepsi and you want to buy a case of Pepsi, you can let me know. Um, Or same with the water, and I can tell you what we paid for it, and you can buy it if you want. But otherwise, uh, we're going to take that back. So don't open up any cases that have not been opened already. All right, that's done. Let's get on with the important part of the day, all right? We've been worshiping God in song. We've been worshiping God just by being together and sharing one another's heart. Uh, We're gonna continue this opportunity to worship God here on a Sunday morning by singing or by looking into the song book of the Hebrews. Uh, we're not going to go very far into the songbook. I don't know what our song, number one song, is in our hymn book. Not that we use our hymn book very much anymore, but when I was growing up, the number one song, song number one in the hymn book was um, um, oh yes, just slipped my mind. Uh, it was the one that we, we actually started singing it kind of in place of the doxology. Ah, um, uh, I, I saw it and I was gone. Anyway, it was, a, it was a good hymn. It was a hymn that we enjoyed singing. Uh, and, and I know that the psalm that we're going to look at this morning, Psalm number one, so if you want to turn there in your pages of the scriptures, that would be great. Psalm number one this morning is an amazing song that reminds us about life. Reminds us that you and I, as uh, followers of the one true God, We need to do life a particular way. So I've entitled this psalm, The Journey of Life, okay? The Journey of Life. And we're going to look at this psalm this morning, and we're going to talk about, we're going to think about being on a journey, if you will. In fact, it's not just any journey. Like, um, you know that we were missionaries for, for, we were with our mission agency for 20 years. Uh, We went back and forth to South Africa many, many times. Uh, and, And can I tell you this? from the first time I ever went to South Africa to the last time we came home from South Africa, would you believe me that travel changed a lot in those days? Okay, You used to be able to check your bags at the curb and didn't have a concern in the world about your bags. And and then, of course, 9-11 happened, and checking the bags at the curb didn't happen anymore. They went through your stuff with a fine-tooth comb. Um, They checked... Your underwear, sometimes they checked everything. Okay? So traveling changed over the course of time. But you know what? That's the beauty of God's Word, it doesn't change. When God gave this psalm, Psalm 1, to the children of Israel, it was relevant, it was important, it was perfect for them in that day. We here in 2022 pick up the book of Psalms and we read these amazing pieces of of music. Uh, We don't often think of the notes and all that kind of stuff that goes with it, but we read these hymns of the Old Testament saints and we say, wow, that's just as relevant for me today As it was then, just as important, applicable for me today as it was then. And that's true. God's word is just as important today as it was then. Back in those days, and I was talking to one of our vendors yesterday about this very thing, and and they agreed that God's word in, in when we have a church service, when we do things as a church, God's word must be the prevalent thing in our in our minds and in our thoughts. That's why we had certain um, when the vendors came, we all they all knew that they weren't going to sell anything that was detracting from uh, our our church is position on different things. We didn't have anybody here selling uh, alcohol or any other things that is totally legal in New York State today, but anti to the way of living a godly life. We made sure that there was nothing uh, that our vendors were going to sell that would promote an anti-Christian or even an alternative to Christianity. We didn't want that because we know what we believe, and we believe it's the truth. In fact, we know it's the truth. We're absolutely convinced that it's the truth. But as we think about this idea of journeying through life, perhaps you've heard that ancient Chinese proverb. Some credit it to Confucius, but he didn't really say it. But there was another Chinese proverb, wise man who's made this comment, he said, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, right? The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Nelson Mandela, okay, lovingly known as Madiba, father of the nation, if you will, in South Africa, made the following comment about, his, about this journey called life. He said, I could not imagine that the future I was walking toward could compare in any way to the past I was leaving behind. Quite a wise quote. Um, now, I, unfortunately, I don't believe that uh, Madiba ever made a profession of faith okay i do believe that he was used greatly by god in the role as the first president of South Africa, of a unified country, okay, but as I looked at his life and talked with others, uh, most would say that Medeba probably never came to the point of trusting Christ as his personal Savior. But for those of us who know Christ as our Savior, listen to that quote again. I could not imagine the future I was walking toward could compare in any way to the past I was leaving behind. Put that in a spiritual context. For the day that you trusted Jesus, Christ as your personal Savior. Can I tell you this? The past that you left behind on the day you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you don't even want to go back there. You don't even want to think about that past. You want to leave it right there in the past and walk toward what? Towards a life of eternity in the presence of God Almighty. Woo! Woo! Hallelujah for that. What a blessing that is. You and I, as followers of Christ, we are aware, not maybe on the day that we trusted Christ as our Savior, but the more we walk this journey of life, we are so much aware of the blessings that God gives to us day after day after day. Well, that's what this psalm talks about. How do we understand the journey of life? How do we embark on the journey of life? How do we stay faithful on this journey that we call life? Would you stand together and read with me, if you would, Psalm 1. The very first part, the very first uh, screen is not the scripture. It's just the background. Um, well, it's verse 1, but the, also the way of the righteous and the end of the ungodly, um, I want you to understand this. If you're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you know what? God calls you, considers you to be part of the righteous. Okay? Why? Not because of who you are, not because of anything you've done, not because of your own righteousness, but because the day you trusted Christ as your Savior, you received the righteousness of Christ. He, that's, we call it the doctrine of imputation. God gave us Jesus' righteousness and took our filthy rags away from us. That's another, whoo! Hallelujah thing, okay? God has done such great things for us through His Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. But let's read together Psalm 1. Uh, you see the number 1 there. It starts with the word blessed. Let's read together. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Thank you for reading with me. Let's ask God to bless our time in his word, and then you can sit down after we pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and we are so very thankful for your word. We say it again and again and again that your word is our authority for life. Your word teaches us how we should do life, how we should live life, how we should organize our time here on earth to bring honor and glory to you. This psalm reminds us of that. This psalm also reminds us of uh, how we should live our lives in a way that brings glory and honor to you, uh, because the life that we now live, we live because of Christ. We live because you've made an eternal difference in our lives, and we are so grateful for that. Bless our time together in the word, we pray, as we look at this psalm, uh, the first psalm that David penned. Lord, may it be an encouragement to us, may it be a challenge to us, may you use it to work in our hearts and to cause us to become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Blessed is the man. You see how that psalm starts out there? Blessed is the man. Happy is the man. Joyful is the man. There's a lot of things that come to mind when we think of that word blessed. Blessed is the man. But what man are we talking about? Who is this man that is blessed? This great psalm. And you know, you've heard me, if you've been around for our summer in the psalms series, uh, for even a couple of those messages, you've heard me refer back to Psalm 1. So I thought it was time that we got to Psalm 1 and looked at what the psalmist is saying, not just referring to it, but looking at it in a little more detail. So as this psalm starts off, We see that it starts off with a man who is blessed, a man whose life is full of joy, a man who is happy because of his relationship with God. Blessed is the man. So we want to start off by looking at the godly man's journey. The blessed man's journey. You and I who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, what does our journey look like? What should we be striving to reach as the end goal? On Friday, Uncle Bud and Aunt Sheila left Maryland and their goal was to reach Preble, New York. Yes, people, you know, when you you drive by on 81, you drive by Preble, but some people actually come to Preble. Okay, that was their end goal to arrive in Preble, New York, so they could help and participate in the Family Fun Fall Festival. They made their goal today after church. Their goal is to get in the car and make it back to Rosedale, Maryland. Okay, and when they get there, they'll probably hint, uh, send me a text or send me a message saying, hey, we arrived safely. Um, so they'll, we'll know that they reached their end goal of Rosedale, New York. Okay. And so when you are on a journey, you have a goal. You have a place that you want to be at for the child of God, for the person who is striving to become more and more like Jesus Christ. What is our end goal? Our end goal is first John chapter three, verse two, where we see, we read, we memorize, we understand. Hey, when I see Jesus at the end of my life face to face, I'm going to be like him because I'll see him as he is. (laughs) Hallelujah. Woo! What a great thought that is. No more struggles with sin. No more battles in this world that we have to face. And, and we, we just seem to like sometimes we're just butting our heads against the worldliness of this world. When we see Jesus face to face, that's done. That's finished. We become like Jesus. That's the end of our journey. That's the goal of our journey. But how do we get there? What do we do now in the process? What do we do as we travel from here to there? As I said, we spent many years traveling back and forth as missionaries. It was funny, uh, you know, because when we first started out, it was the two of us. And then the next time we went, it was uh, it was Barb and I and Josh and Rachel. Josh was a year and a half, in, or three years old, and Rachel was a year and a half old. Okay, so the, it was really good because... It didn't matter. You, you, they all. We had to buy tickets for all four of us. And guess what? That means you get the same amount of baggage for a year and a half old as you do for a thirty-year-old. Okay, so we took advantage of that. Now, once we had all of our children and we would travel back and forth, we flew into. We, we would often. End our time and and begin our time in the States in Peoria, Illinois, because that's where Barb's mom and dad lived, and they promised to have a vehicle for us every time we came back. So we flew into Peoria, and that was great. We got the vehicle, we did the things we needed to do while we were on furlough, and then we would pack everything up and we would, take, we would head off to Peoria Airport with, uh, several, with a couple of vehicles carrying our luggage. I mean, Barb's dad had a truck at that time, so it was easy. We just loaded up the truck and drove to the airport. The first time after 9-11, what a, what a funny thing that was because, uh, and of course, at the time, it wasn't funny. We look back now and say, yeah, it was funny. We, we, here we come now with, um, we've got five of us, right? So we've got 10 bags. Now, you can believe that we knew the biggest bag that we could take with... What was the size of the biggest piece of luggage that we could take? We could take foot lockers on the airplane. Okay? So we had two foot lockers for every one of us. And then... Well, you got to realize, well, I'll get to that. You see, we had two foot locks, and then every one of us got a personal thing to carry on. So the kids had like their backpacks that they kept their toys in and stuff. And then there also was a, like for Barbara and I, she could take a personal bag like her purse, but also a backpack, and I could take a briefcase or a backpack. So we were loaded. I mean, we had 15 bags. Okay, we we roll up to Peoria Airport, and of course it's 9/11. 9/11 has happened, so you got to take off your shoes. You got to go through the metal detector. They got to wand you. They got to even even Micah, who was like three years old at the time, they wanded in The whole thing. And as we're loading our luggage on, basically maxing out the 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 waiting area to get into to get into the gate area. Uh, I remember going through, finally getting cleared by. All the TSA and all that kind of... You know, it hadn't been that long for them. They were kind of new on the job, so they were kind of still figuring things out. We're walking through the smaller, compared to like JFK or uh, Atlanta or Dulles, some of those bigger airports, walking... What's that? Yeah, Peoria Airport is smaller than Syracuse Airport. Okay, just so you... Some people go, oh, wow. Is there one really that big? Yeah, there's really smaller airports in Syracuse. Anyway, we're walking through this kind of crowded hallway. And of course... Not everybody was going to the same place, but the guy who was just a little bit ahead of us leans over to the lady that he was traveling with. He says, man, did you see that family with all that luggage? Can you believe having that much luggage? Now, they didn't know that we were going for four years and weren't coming back and that most of the stuff we were going to use for four years were all in those bags. They didn't understand. I didn't get that. They just thought it was totally strange and weird for that much luggage to be loaded into one place and then the first the first time we went to south africa we it was just the two of us and we had our bags and they were you know 70 pounds you could pack them 70 pounds a piece and they fit all the- so we get to johannesburg okay and we've been on the airport or we've been on the airplane we left toronto uh, or i mean not toronto but uh quebec we montreal we left montreal flew to uh, I believe it was Brazzaville, Congo. And we had our bags checked all the way through to Johannesburg. We get to Johannesburg, and this wonderful airport employee who was checking our bags, because we had to collect our bags in Joburg and recheck them and send them on to Cape Town. We get there, and he says, oh, he says, you have too much luggage. And now we've been on the airplane for like 20 hours. And I said, what do you, excuse me, What do you mean we have too much luggage? No, you have too much luggage. You can only take one suitcase to Johannesburg. Now, I was tired, and I looked at him, and I said, listen, I got on an airplane a day and a half ago in Montreal, Canada, and I flew to South Africa. And you're going to tell me that I have to leave half my luggage in Johannesburg or pay for it to come the rest of the way with me? Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to pay extra baggage fees. I said, I'm not doing it. He says, well, you have to. You don't have any choice. I said, I want to talk to your boss. You know how Americans are, right? I want to talk to your boss. So his boss was standing a little bit behind him, and he comes over, and he says, is there a problem? I said, well, yeah, it kind of is, because I've come all the way from Montreal, Canada, and now he tells me I have to leave half my luggage. I don't understand. What's the problem? He says, where would you say you came from? I said, Montreal, Canada. Oh, that explains it. You came from North America. Those people, they get two bags on their flights, and, they, and they're coming all the way through, so they get to check it all the way through. They don't have to, It's fine. You let him check his bags through. I said, that's good, because I'm very tired, and all I want to do is get to Cape Town and go to sleep. Um, but anyway, traveling has changed. But you know what? As a child of God, the only change that should be going on in our life is change for the better, change for the good, change that people look at us and say, man, you're becoming more like Jesus. Man, I can't tell the difference between you and Jesus. You're, you're so much like him. That's the change that the psalmist wants us to have in our lives. He wants us to become more and more and more godly with each passing day. As we travel down this journey called life, We want to leave the bad things behind us. We want to leave the ungodly things behind us. We want to leave the sinful things behind us. You know, sometimes people would come to visit us in South Africa. One time the chairman of our mission agency came to visit us in South Africa. And we were waiting for them to get through. We're waiting and waiting and waiting. And so we kind of got to the point where we understood... Most people that are coming to visit us, they're not in a hurry to get off the airplane uh, because they know they've got a lot of bags to check and and all that kind of stuff. So they just, like us, we usually waited to to be the last people off the airplane, just so there wasn't a a bunch of getting clogged up and and all that kind of stuff. So we waited. We just sat in our seats and let everybody else get off. And we figured that's what our chairman was doing, just waiting with him and his wife and his daughter. And, And time went by and there weren't any more people coming out, we're like, did they miss their flight or something? What's going on? And finally, his wife and daughter come out, and, and they walk towards us, and they said, "Where's our? Where's so and so?" Uh, and oh, he's been called aside by customs. But you see, when he got on the plane in America, he was coming to South Africa not just to see us and check out the ministries, but he was also going to go on safari. Okay. So he had talked to the people uh, that were going to do the safari trip for him, and they said we're, he was going to rent a gun from them because he was smart enough not to bring a gun with him on the airplane, but they said, "Now you should bring your own ammo with you." He found out that they gave him some bad advice because when he tried to go through the the, the customs with his ammo, I was like, "What is this stuff in here?" So he got pulled aside, and you know there was talk that he might not be you know all kinds of, you know, it could, you fly to Africa, you know, that's just, there's things that happen in Africa that don't happen in most other places. And finally, after, I don't know, it was probably close to an hour, he finally was able to come out, and at the end of the day, he had to leave his ammo with the South African customs. He didn't get to keep it. He had to leave that behind. That's the way it is in the Christian life. We need to leave certain things behind. Even if we think it's important, even if we think it's valuable, we need to leave it behind if it's not honoring to God. If it's not progressing our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, leave it behind. Move forward. He gets into the nitty gritty here. He wants the godly man to know how to live life. So he gives us, And you know, we often say the Christian life isn't a list of do's and don'ts. But we kind of have a list here in Psalm 1 of things that we shouldn't do and things that we should do. And can I tell you this? The list of do's and don'ts isn't a, it's not a, list imposed that if you don't do this, you're going to face these consequences. It's a, hey, if you really love the Lord and you want to grow in your walk with the Lord, you're not going to want this as part of your life kind of a thing. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you want to honor Him, and you want to live for Him, you're going to do these kind of things, not because anybody's forcing you to do it. Like our vendors yesterday, uh, we didn't charge our vendors anything, but we suggested to them that if they wanted to, they could le- they could give a, a donation of something that they've made.